Talk 1110-993-WBT. Phone number is 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Hour number three. The candidates have left, but if you've got comments, you'd like uh, to weigh in on the debate that you just heard, the discussion you just heard uh, from Matthew Ho, the Green Party candidate, and Shannon Bray, the Libertarian Party candidate, uh, you can call. You can also email Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. So Stan and Rick are on the line. Let me start here with Stan. Stan, welcome to the show. How are you? Yeah, how are you doing, Pete? I was going to ask them two questions. One, uh, like, uh, which, um, which regulatory agencies would they get rid of or greatly diminish the power of since we obviously have to need regulations? And since they both agreed that the income tax wasn't something that was good for the country, what would they replace it with? And I'm just going to say, I, I wouldn't replace the income tax. For me, I wouldn't replace it. Uh, I would just adjust all the other taxes as necessary in order to collect the same amount of revenue. And if I could get rid of an agency, I would get rid of the ATF. Mm. Uh, so I'd like to know what your thoughts are about what you would do and what you think about mine. So I'd say first off, the I mean, just right off the top of my head, the easy one for me is always the U.S. Department of Education, then the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Just <laughs> those are the easiest ones for me to identify. Um, as far as changing the tax system, um, I mean, I understand government has has a function. The federal government has a function. You limit it. Uh, back to its constitutional boundaries, I'm not sure how much it actually costs, though, to uh, to run at that point, and I don't know how much you would actually need to fund it. Um, I think the original idea was to fund it with uh, tariffs, right, uh, right on sure. trade. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I do know the principle that the more, if you want more of something, you uh, you lower the taxes on it. If you want less of something, you raise the taxes on it. So, right. Yeah. Well, well, see, the one thing about the income tax that's different from all the other ones is, with all the other taxes, it's like if they're on sales or their own, uh, like uh, excise taxes on consumption, then you can stop consuming and stop buying when you think you've paid enough taxes to the government, letting mm-hmm. you control economically how big the government is. Mm-hmm. But once they have the right to set a tax rate. And they collect it before you get your get you before you get your money, and then if you don't pay it, they can force you to pay it or actually lien your property or levy your bank account. Then that puts them in charge of how big government is and not you. Yeah, I agree. That's why uh, this is you know my libertarianism in, is that I prefer the user fees, user taxes rather than things uh, taxes on things like income for precisely that reason. Because uh, if what if I if I feel like I don't want to pay any more income taxes, what I just stop earning money if I and then I just don't work anymore, I become less productive. That, that's my point. Yeah, that's what, makes, that's what makes it immoral. Is that's what makes it immoral on the state. Yeah, I got you, Stan. I appreciate the call. Sorry, I didn't have time to get you on with the candidates. Thanks. All right, sure. All right, take care. Let's go over here to Rick. He's got comments on nuclear. Or sorry, nuclear. Hello, Rick. Welcome to the show. Greetings. Thank you for having me on. Certainly. Sorry I couldn't get you on with the candidates. We just ran out of time. That's all right. Well, do you have a comment? Would you like to... Uh, would I, you... I do. Okay. Uh, so my comment has to do with uh, nuclear power and what must be a philosophical problem for the Green Party in that they opposed nuclear power for so many years and now uh, people are beginning to call nuclear power green energy. <laughs> and I was going to share. <clears throat> I was going to share with him one fact. That is that uh, the Diablo Canyon nuclear reactor out in California, which is the only one they haven't closed at this point, was studied, and the report was published in January by MIT, 
that the 20 acres that's actually used by the reactors to create power would require 90,000 acres of green infrastructure, that be solar, wind, and other things, to offset the loss of the 2,240 megawatts of power that the plant produces. So I would also ask them whether or not the clear-cutting of such a huge swath of land was not in and of itself uh, a detriment to the environment. Along those lines, I was sent a video years ago of uh, uh, from a farmer whose land next to them was being cleared for solar panels. And the devastation, I mean, absolute just environmental devastation, where they just came in and clear-cut all of the land, put it all into a pile, burned it. I, I mean, it was I mean, it was just catastrophic. And then they put all these solar panels and like, look at us, we're green. Um, look, and I say this as someone who, I've got solar panels on my house, right? But I, I, I'm with you. Like, I think nuclear power, uh, and especially the smaller, uh, the smaller generators that I think they just actually approved one, um, or, or it got an approval in the process. Um, I think it is posing a, a bit of a problem. And, well, I did hear, I will say this, uh, after the forum last night, Somebody asked Matthew Ho from the Green Party about nuclear, and if I recall correctly, he was uh, he said um, he said his his concerns are about the the disposal of the stuff, the you know the the radioactivity of the waste material and that sort of thing, uh, and also if you have problems that arise, like you know I, I think he, you know he mentioned. Uh, uh, like the, the, the plant in Ukraine, I guess, that's been targeted. Like what happens when these disasters strike? The disasters are so much worse because of, I mean, if, you know, if Russia comes and blows up a solar farm, that's not going to, that's not going to kill everybody within a, you know, hundred miles. Right. Right. So that, I mean, that, that, that is a, that is a concern. Now, I don't know, maybe we bury all of the reactors. Maybe that's the way to go. Put them all underground. Well, they're not going to be building any more 1,100 megawatt power plants, but they are talking about, and the one that you referred to is a 300 megawatt small modular reactor. Right, right, right. And it, it doesn't use a big, huge water cooling system, so it's not quite as vulnerable as uh, the current designs are. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I think this is the, the energy crisis that we are seeing right now is, I think, going to present a lot of problems for policymakers that went all in on renewables knowing full well that uh, it's going to take a very, very long time for them to, for the technology to get to the point where, as you, you mentioned earlier with your example of the clear cutting, like the, the, the trade-off is just not there at this point. Well, the long-term storage of high-level uh, radioactive waste is solvable, and we do have a place at Yucca Mountain for it. Yeah. But unfortunately, the, the politicians have not had the backbone to put the place into operation. So instead, we have 80 different reactors around the country that have spent fuel pools, and the federal government is having to pay each year from their settlement fund nearly $500 million a year to pay the utility companies to store it in those areas. Mm. So See, anyway, it's a complicated subject. But Yeah. No, I, I, appreciate the, uh, I appreciate the background. Thank you, Rick. Yes, sir. All right. Take care. Uh, I would just submit launching the waste at the sun launch it at the sun let's give it some of its own medicine right back at you son here's some radiation for you
News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. People are commenting, reacting to the debate between the two uh, alternative party candidates. Matthew Ho from Green Party and uh, Shannon Bray from the Libertarian Party. So let's go back to the phones. Here is Dan. Welcome to the program. Hello, Dan. How are you? I'm great, Pete. Thanks. How about you? Sure. I'm doing well. I cannot complain. Fabulous. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate your yeah. show. And I appreciate your level-tempered approach to pretty much everything you talk about. <laughs> well, um, I don't know if my wife would agree with that, but okay. Thank you. I'll take the compliment. Nor, nor mine. <laughs> I, I'm curious. Over the years, we've listened to uh, the non-petroleum, non-fossil fuel scientists Tell us how the world's going to hell in a handbasket and it's going to be underwater as you're... I'm in the same boat with your previous caller, every yeah. pun intended, about the state being underwater. But I'm curious, for every one of those scientists, there's a opposite and equal effect of a scientist who says, we haven't had nearly the impact on the, the climate, the ecology, as have any one of the significant volcanic eruptions in the last century. Mm-hmm. I'm curious which group of scientists I'm supposed to believe. The ones that confirm your prior beliefs. I think that's how science works nowadays. That's kind of the <laughs> idea. Or the, or the ones that get the biggest checks. Right? Yeah. Well, and it, that is actually, uh, that was one of the questions, and I, I just, I did not get to, uh, I did not get to it, which was, uh, and I, I, I packed it up already, but I, one of the questions I wanted to ask was they, they spoke a lot about, um, you know, the role of, of corporations and big money and politics and and the way it has sort of you know contorted and twisted our government and that sort of thing and I, I I'm I'm genuinely curious as to why people think that doesn't also occur in the climate science field why would that industry be any different than say the pharmaceutical industry or the oil industry right why would that be different it seems to me like if you've got the government and you've got uh, elected officials that are pushing for certain uh, you know, certain industries, they're going to do carve outs and benefits for those uh, for those nonprofits or or government entity or uh, uh, corporate entities, rather. So why wouldn't that same thing apply to the green energy industry? I think you're absolutely right. In fact, it's it's equal to uh, today, Joe Biden asking for us uh, to to be more conciliatory and get along better. Um, I, I that that kind of science to me is pretty much bought and paid for science by the folks who get the media. That's the other side is anybody who disagrees with the green folks doesn't seem to get the airspace. That mm-hmm. they do. Yeah. No. And, and, and I also will tell you though, that uh, Matthew Ho would argue that the Democrats, uh, that they're not, you know, they're not on board with green energy nearly enough and that they are still uh, bought and paid for by the fossil fuel industry. They're still getting all of the money from these entities as well. So, and so they don't go far enough. Uh, that's the, well, that's I don't for his, a minute. Believe that Ocasio Cortez and that crowd really have the ecology in mind at all. I think that's they have a much bigger agenda. Hmm. That's possible, Dan. I appreciate the call, sir. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Pete. All right, man. Uh, let me jump over here and get Judith on before the news. Hello, Judith. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. What's going on? Well, I just want to say I agree with the last caller about AOC. Hmm. Um, I may be a little bit of a conspiracy nut, but, uh, well, anyway, um, speaking about the green energy, I got a phone call a while back, and they were wanting to offer me free panels, and I live right over here in Fort Mill. Mm-hmm. And um, 
they said, but we're looking at your house from, you know, I guess the Google Earth. Yeah. And they said, but you have three oak trees that are going to have to be taken down. Right. And I said, well, that doesn't make any sense. They're healthy oak trees. And he says, well, they're blocking your your roof. Right. The sight line to the sun. Yeah. I said, so don't I already have green energy by protecting my home from having to run the air conditioning all day? Yeah. I mean, trees, if they're tall enough, right, they can provide shade for the house and they can yeah reduce your energy bills. These are big enough to take two or three grown men to wrap their arms around and they're healthy. (laughs) And he he hung up on me. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) well, also, I would submit that uh, there's no such thing as free panels. So uh, a lot of that sounded kind of scammy to begin with. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Look out. Yeah. And and that is that not every house is going to be situated well enough for uh, the solar panels to be. Uh, you know, what is it, uh, southward facing, I think they need to be. So so you get most of the sun. We just happen to be in a house that's newly built. And so, uh, the uh, you know, they tore down all the trees to build the houses. Right. And yeah. uh, and so we didn't have any trees to block it. And so we get full sun. And I mean, and honestly, with the, uh, the metering system with Duke Energy, it, it makes sense for us. We're consuming uh, uh, what we produce, and then we produce extra, and we sell it back into the grid. So our power bill is like, you know, $15 a month. So Right. I have a friend that has um, a yak ranch in Alaska mm-hmm. and um, very close to um, Denali. And they don't have any trees up on the top of the hill. So it pays them. Right. To have, that's the only reason why I listened. Yeah. But to think of cutting these trees down, it's like, are you crazy? Yeah, you got to tear down the nature to save it, obviously. Uh, Judith, <laughs> thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Just scrolling through some emails here as well. Uh, after we had the two candidates, the uh, alternative party candidates. And uh, just to let me say this before I get to some of the messages. I'm going to circle back to this point because there is a debate that's being held by Spectrum News. And I you know, applaud them for getting Sherry Beasley, the Democrat, and Ted Budd, the Republican, for getting them on the debate stage. That's good. I think it's like October 7th, I want to say, and I'm going to watch it. I'm going to cover it as well. I'll pull audio and we'll discuss it. But the 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 standard that, according to the two alternative party candidates, the standard that is used to keep them essentially out of the debates, it is an arbitrary standard, which is they have to be at 10% of the uh, polling. And, you know, that's a, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy there essentially right where a uh, self-perpetuating uh, scenario because they can't get to 10 percent if they don't get coverage this is why i always say elections are about what media make them and you know media it, it seems like it's intent on making this election about just bud and beasley i'm not advocating for any of these four candidates and there's actually a fifth we'll talk to her next week michelle lewis she's unaffiliated and the, the barrier for these alternative parties or unaffiliated candidates to, to get any kind of uh, traction, the barriers are, are pretty steep uh, because they don't get that level of coverage. They don't get the attention. And so creating this standard, you got to be a 10% polling, 
it's an arbitrary number, but it it is also a that that is a that is a product of the lack of coverage. Not to mention that a lot of the polling firms don't even include these candidates in the polling. So you're setting them up to fail. I think look, if you've if you've done the work to get certified as a party and you've gotten the ballot signatures, then I think that proves you you belong. Your 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 party has taken the steps in organization and in a certain degree of mobilization to get on the stage. And I don't know why folks are, especially if you got to, I mean, I understand from a, like from the political party standpoint, I, I do get it. I, I completely understand. They're afraid that, for example, Shannon Bray might draw votes away from the Republican candidate. Because if all I got is an option of, uh, you know, uh, uh, Bud or Beasley, then I pick the candidate that I agree with on more issues than not, right? But if Bray is in there, maybe I end up agreeing with Bray on a couple more issues. And so I would throw my vote to Bray rather than Bud. But even now, you've got uh, Matthew Ho as the Green, and wouldn't he take votes away from Beasley? If that's the mentality, which I don't necessarily agree with, but if this is the argument that you know these votes are going to be drawn away from another candidate, I, first off, I don't believe that they are those candidates' votes just by right, by default. You get my vote. No, you got to earn my vote because I will leave races blank. I will if I don't like either party candidate or if someone's running unopposed and I loathe them, I will not vote for anybody in the race. And that's my protest. That's the way I let my voice be heard. My silence is violence, if you will. So. <laughs> So even now, though, you've got other people, you've got essentially a, a canceling out effect going on, right? You have a green, you have a libertarian. If your philosophy or if your game theory on this is, is true, then it's a wash. Then why not have them on the stage? Because they're going to draw from both of the candidates equally or roughly equal, right? So where's the harm? I just I, I I think there's a real opportunity missed to give people a greater nuanced discussion. But anyway, that's but you also, you know, it took me two hours, eight different segments of about eight minutes apiece to kind of go through various topics with these guys. I did not put them on a clock. I have no idea who got more time and who didn't. Although if I had to guess, probably Matthew got more time just because, uh, you know, he spoke about more and people had more questions for him specifically. But um I find I found this discussion as well as the forum last night to be more productive than putting people on a clock saying you got 30 seconds go because it allows the candidates to just tap dance away from the question without answering it. And I find a lot of times in debates that uh, that the quote moderators want to be seen as uh, knowledgeable, right? They, they, they want to preface a question with a long wind up. You don't need a long wind up. I don't need a long wind up. Just ask the question, right? Just ask the question and get them to start talking. And if they're able to go back and forth and talk for a long time, all the better. Now, if they, if they're not answering the question, then I'll try to bring them back. I find that to be more instructive, more informative. And I think a lot of debate structures are not built that way. They're not built. They're built to check boxes. And one of the things I cannot stand, it's the worst part about debates is when the the moderators 
will stop a discussion from occurring. Like it's it's underway. There is a there's an actual debate that is broken out at a debate between the candidates. They're going back and forth, and all of a sudden the moderator will muscle their way into the debate in between the candidates and say, well, all right, well, that's a really good discussion, and we'll come back to this, but I have another question I really would like to ask. No. If you have a question you really want to ask, you ask it first. And if and if you get a lot of debate about that and that ends the debate, and like you literally use all of the time on that one question, then so be it. So be it. Well, but I want to get to these other things. I understand there's a tension there, I guess, but uh, you want to you want to stack your debate with the with the the questions you care about most. But really, is it questions you care about most that you should be asking, or is it questions that people care about most that you should be asking? Right? These are all these are all part of the uh, the process, and this is where a lot of bias lies. You can tell in the questions that get asked, how they get asked how much time is given for different topics, that sort of stuff. You can tell the bias of the the person that's putting it on, the the organization that's hosting the debate, that sort of thing. It's why you want more debates, by the way. It's why you want a lot of debates by different organizations with different moderators because they're going to pick different topics, they're going to run different formats, and then voters get a better idea of the philosophies that the candidates have. That's my view on it. What do I know? I'm just a radio host. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. A reminder, it's Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month, and we've got our third annual WBT Little Heroes Blood Drive. It's going to be Monday, September 19th. It continues. Uh, So head on over to the One Blood Big Red Bus. It's going to be at the Jack Daniels Dog House, and uh, you can make a life-saving blood donation. WBT is trying to help kids in the community that are fighting cancer. You can help us do that. You can save a life. Third annual WBT Little Heroes Blood Drive uh, at the Doghouse, Monday, September 19th. Go to the website, WBT.com, for the details and and to sign up, uh, get your appointment time set up there. Um, we would really appreciate it. We, we need your blood. We really need your blood. Uh, thanks again to Affordable Siding Windows and uh, Jameson Realty for all of their support for the effort as well. WBT.com. Uh, a couple of uh, emails here and messages. Jay says, Pete, that Green Party guy just went down the wacko rabbit hole with the climate change BS. <laughs> right. uh, there you go. That is uh, Jay's observation. Um, Chase said uh, an abortion question for the candidates. Is it a baby in the womb? If not, then what is it? If it is a baby in the womb, then please answer the question. When is it OK to kill a baby in the womb? Um Pete, great line of questions about abortion, Tim says to the guests. uh, It really took them back a bit. Uh, By the way, I think Lindsey Gramnesty is the Democrats' best friend after his latest abortion stance. And Susan said, uh, Pete, I think it's, uh, Pete, it's so hard to listen to these guys. Good for you for asking the questions. It is still hard, though. What what made that child dead in the womb and alive when it is born? Wow, I think he woke up. Congrats. Um, I did. I was kind of surprised, and this is like to his credit, um, Matthew Ho. He said, "Like I've never, I've never been asked that question before, and I've never thought about it in those terms." And I appreciate him saying that, but I think it's we have been stunted in our 
society because of Roe v. Wade from having those discussions. We've been allowed to just say, I'm pro-choice or I'm pro-life, and then you don't ever have those discussions. And it made us flabby intellectually. It made us flabby. Made us soft. You know, unchallenged ideas are easy to hold. And um, I, I appreciate them both coming in and, uh, you know, having some of their ideas challenged. And I will say, to their credit, they attempted to answer the question, unlike, what was his name, B.J. McGinnis or whatever, that guy that ran against Sherry Beasley and just would not answer the question, could not answer the question. So, um, and Johnny on Twitter said, you certainly have your work cut out for you, Matthew, as a green in North Carolina. Some of those callers, well, they're not fans. <laughs> that was true. They're, again, credit where it's, uh, where it's due uh, for guys that actually come in. And uh, like even Scott Huffman and uh, uh, BK McGinnis, BK, uh, for coming in and, uh, you know, and answering questions and, and having the discussion. I appreciate that. Um, let me leave you with this. This is a good bit of uh, positive news. Scientists in the UK have developed a test to determine whether people have Parkinson's. Thanks to the help of a woman who can smell it. This is so weird. She can smell Parkinson's. Her name is Joy Milne. She's a retired nurse from Scotland. She knew that her husband, Les, had Parkinson's over a decade before he was diagnosed. How did she know this? Well, I kind of gave it away already. She identified a change in the way he smelled. She said, quote, he had this, uh, I guess she was Scottish. Well, is he Scott? Yeah, the Scottish accent is one that I kind of got to ramp up to. Anyway, he had this musty, rather unpleasant smell, especially around his shoulders and the back of his neck, and his skin had definitely changed. I kept saying to him, you're not showering properly, and he became quite angry about it at first. She then connected the smell to the disease after he was diagnosed. Two six-packs of shiner, 99-cent butane lighter, lucky strikes and a fifth of Patron. Ice down that igloo cooler, take a guess at all to do her. Right, so her husband starts smelling weird. She's like, you're not bathing right. He gets mad, but then he gets diagnosed years later with Parkinson's, and so she makes it her mission to tell doctors he started smelling differently. Mustang followed us down to the lake and didn't have to think about that too long. Skinny dipping in the bright moonlight. Situation couldn't be more right.
good one coming on. So Joy Milne is so persistent. She's like, I know what I'm smelling. He smells differently. She years. It takes her years. But she convinces researchers to do the research. And they're like, you know what? She's right. Totally true. The doctor who led the research said if she didn't exist, I don't think any of this would have happened. Her persistence paid off. She's been proven right. One person can make a difference. There's another example. All right, have a great weekend. I will see you on Monday. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Body rock until the break of dawn.